Alright, so first let's dissect the words political science and what that is. So politics is the exercise of power, a process by which groups of people make collective decisions. Politics is the art or science running governmental or state affairs, including behaviors within civil governments, institutions, fields, and special interest groups, such as the corporate, academic, and religious segments of society. So what is political science in reference to politics? Political science is the field concerning the theory and practice of politics and the description and analysis of political systems and political behavior. So here are the studies within political science and just... If anything that pops out to you, think about that. So globalization, institutional studies, security studies, nationalism studies, political behavior, political fiction or satire, political sociology and philosophy, game theory, elections and voting theory, policy analysis and studies, strategic studies. Some political science theories are anarchist school of thought, democratic theory, one, the Athenian or Greek-rooted democratic theory, republicanism, Italian root, representative democracy, direct democracy, radical democracy, international relations theory, realism, idealism in national relationships, or international relationships, sorry, Marxist schools of thoughts, Western Marxism, metapolitics, peace and conflict studies, political geography, post-colonialism, theories of state. Social contracts, secession, rights of rebellion. Sound like anything that's going on in our country right now? Maybe? Anything stick out to you in that whole lineup of what consists as the study of political sciences? Accelerationism is defined as a politico-philosophical theory, which is the insistence that only radical political response to capitalism is to accelerate its uprooting, alienating, and decoding abstractive tendencies. So there's two sides to this, right? There's the left and the right, which I want to call the neo-left and the neo-right. So left accelerationism involves something more immediately recognizable, which is a communist subject that is the product of collective enunciation like in manifesto for in manifesto for accelerationist politics which is a term coined by nick srinik s-r-n-i-c-e-k and alex williams i don't know how to pronounce that guy's name but the anagram is map so manifesto for accelerationist politics man these are mouthfuls uh, this term is first published online in one of the key texts of the aforementioned reader, which uh, we recognize a call of sorts for a new type of human subject, which was in quotes, and the result of the knitting together of disparate proletarian identity, and that's also in quotes, and one capable of uh, abduction experimentation into how best to act in the world. The map, so to speak, you know, itself derives from Marx's understanding that from within the capitalist mode of production, other forms of non-capitalistic relation might be engendered. Indeed, from MAP's perspective, technological advances are to be welcomed, accelerated, not only because this is the only realistic grounds on which to address iniquities of capitalism itself on its own terrain, as it were, but 
Also precisely because such an acceleration might offer up platforms for a new different kind of subject to emerge. Then you have the right accelerationism, on the other hand, which I guess Nick Land is a little bit more involved with, and uh, at least as incarnated in the writings of, of, of Nick Land would seem to call for an end to this subject altogether, in favor of a specifically non-human mechanic process that continues alongside and is more of more or less oblivious to man. The science fiction characters mentioned are anthropomorphic avatars or quote-unquote human masks, as he would say, of this advancing techonomic development to use Land's term, the twin dynamic of technology and economics, which is also simply the orientation of capitalism from a human perspective, at least on the left, tends to you know, tends to go towards something distinctly dystopian, which we, we've seen, but the other side's kind of different. So Nick Land had this teleplexy accelerationism theory, which is self-reinforcing cybernetic intensification. The human element becomes irrelevant, and it's just a, seen as a temporary obstacle, and his issue with the left, or the opposing side to this right mentality, is that if not whole... It, it, it maintains categories and types, if not whole social systems, that preserve the capitalism and con- compensent- compen- and the compensation which leads to diversions and repeats itself, right? Fuck, big words right now. <laughs> he sees a technological determined situation where humans are no longer needed and there's no place for us, right? It's like, that's pretty much like the right side of it. Left wants to integrate and head to, a, you know, a unity dystopia, and the right wants to crash the whole system, kill off all the humans, and replace it for technology to take its place as the future beings of this world playing God in this weird sense that will have created the toll. You know, the, the time of uh, the, the, the legend of this emerging consciousness that we know as AI or the internet, this universe that we created back in 1969 in California out of some college, you know. <clears throat> but it, it kind of seems almost as though like it, it was like the forced social Darwinism, like the tyranny and the genocide of the 1940s, kind of like weeding out the bad genes and preserving what is good in order to make a better race. Like, that's kind of a scary tiptoe right there of that ideology, I feel. But in conclusion of this, the human is just a platform, you know, a death of God of the human subject, anti-theological, completely just you know, nuts, and, and Nick Land, so you know who this guy is, Warwick University, the CCREW, which is the Cybernetic Culture Research Unit, 1990, he, you know, like, he was a part of this research lab, and they came up with this thing called algorithmic turn, which is the focus on reason in the form of tech produced by humans or a tech created by tech by humans, but is irreducible by them and outruns them. The duality here is accelerationism and resistance. And there's this thing called Web 2.0, which I didn't really look into very much, but the increase in automation and, and their subservience in so, the people's subservience to algorithm-driven technologies. This guy, Franco Berardi, wrote, Here there is a tendency to lament technological process and call instead alternatives to it, collective and community friendships. The exploration of a different time for the individual to explore, or a declaration, if you will, through alienation enabling an engaging, emancipatory motive of capitalist subjectivation. There's no human underneath these omnipresent tech prostheses and algorithmic logics. 
Intelligence of Materials, page 404 of this maps or this reader explains this whole algorithmic turn thing and here the algorithmic turn of culture and society is not to be lamented for we should not mourn the loss of the algorithm less being that's what they say we shouldn't mourn the loss of the people who don't have this algorithm that is pure and perfect this computational logic the acceleration of automation that has freed the powers of speculation from an all too human as it were subject and human-centered tech so we create a tech that's going to create a better tech that's going to fix the problem for us because it, the tech that created... But how do you get out of that parallel? That's such a weird mind fuck. So within this map reader, it also states that the left, building platforms, repurposed old ones to form something collective in its nature, like a, a mechanic infrastructure of the common, or more simply, the red stack is what they called it. And Tiziana Terranova said that in the left agenda of building platforms like the Red Stack in the map reader says it calls to left in general to attend the technological development of capitalism and specifically the various abstractions performed by it, algorithmic turn, so to speak, in order to confront it on its own terrain, like it said previously, and it uses its own logics and techniques against it. Horizontalism. Maps is available like this whole you can read all this at ufblogs.net which is the universal or the urban futures by nick landitz is the blog that he runs and this map reader which isn't available anywhere else other than the link above which is the you know urban futures blog.net and yeah nick land is a prominent member of the technologists in the worldwide world web cybernetic culture research unit makes you think like who really pushes all the memes and influencers on the minds and souls of people like are trolls cyber provocateurs trying to incite real life violence and deconstruct our culture and systems in place so that way it'll accelerate their technological garden of eden is this not like a weird kind of aldous huxley brave new world kind of scenario that this theory is is implementing but what's scary to me about it is the guy who's like kind of the fundamental groundwork of the internet the world wide web our information platform where we get all the answers to everything that we want to have answered and just questioning these things like i just i'm trying to make sense of it right so I mean, as Zach is the guy who's going to be on the guest of the podcast later, he says not all bad things that are done in the shadows are bad. So that's an interesting philosophy, and I'm going to ask him about this. We can unpack it. But yeah, are they behind the dismantling of global economy and like an electioneering and hacking to put members in play into positions where they could work, you know, within on you know our own terrain so to speak where where did the acceleration theory begin like i don't know man like that's something i want to tackle kind of next time but these are like the basic found you know foundations and the roots of this theory and i want to leave that open-ended so you know what it is when we talk about it later that's what acceleration is accelerationists and accelerationism is and uh political science and politics we define those two terms and had a better understanding of that so that way there's context to that when i ask him about you know like oh you studied <laughs> major in political science we all know who, what that is and it's kind of fun to research these words and have a better reference point of context in the conversations and the discourses that we have in our communities
Did I kick myself? Understandable. No, I, I get that. Technology blast. The levels were way off, too. Like, your voice was so bassy. Yeah, no, it would have been hard to listen to. How's my voice coming through? Well, yeah, because basically political organizing doesn't really have a spot when everything's a, you know, a Zoom video call. Um, my, my thing was getting out there and actually talking to people and being on the ground and making meetings and stuff like that. And none of those meetings are happening and uh, it's all going on in the digital world. So I hold all my official titles still, um, but I am not on the ground organizing with the Labor Federation or the roofers or anybody else right now. Well, and it becomes this weird thing too, where everyone's just in a huge donating drive where it's like everyone's in a competition to see how much money they can constantly raise. And so you're just getting blasted from like every single, like, you know, even my new council person that you've interacted with in the last 10 years is sending you a notice asking for fundraising like every month or every two weeks or something. And it's like, that's all it is right now. It's just people kind of trying to digitally organize and digitally organizing is collecting money. Yeah, I mean, just individual campaigns for the most part. I mean, everyone wants to shore up all their accounts so they can run like a bunch of ads and stuff when we get closer to November. I'm surprised that... Uh, it, well, it's kind of crazy because if you want to start at the top, like Trump has been... Obviously, he's like kind of a dunce on everything. But his advisors have been very against him, like letting organized labor have a voice or letting the AFL-CIO or labor in general in America have a voice at the table, even though he has consulted a few times, but it's kind of like just like for show. Um, Gavin Newsom has also been kind of turning a blind eye to at least for sure the building trades, which make up at least, I mean, it's a very large chunk depending on what part of California you're from, but all the people that do construction and like build stuff like I'm doing right now versus all the people that have service jobs, it's like, two different sections of organized labor. The building trades and organized labor on that side haven't really been getting uh, much thought from Newsom. And it kind of sucks because like they used to be at the bargaining table with Jerry Brown and with Gray Davis and with even with Schwarzenegger before that. Um, so it sucks. Um, labor's getting kind of ground on. Locally, there's always a handful of candidates who know about the organizing power of labor and how much money we can raise and how much we can shift votes in certain districts and stuff. And so there's people that come out to be champions of labor, uh, you know. Well, 
there's a ton of stuff. It's just like so much expansion going on. And that's the weird part about the COVID stuff was like, everyone went into uh, this huge like hibernation period, but construction workers were deemed essential, which is another reason I kind of jumped on that train. Cause like, why not be deemed an essential worker? It's kind of a gold mine at this point. And, Yeah, exactly. Like you were, re you were working your job the entire time too. So it's like, you know, every, everything that deemed essential is like a weird service job. But like the guys building the 405, even like the 405 is a huge project going on in Orange County where they're revitalizing and widening and doing all this stuff. Um, and that's why all the bridges and all that construction is going on in Huntington Beach in the first place. That's why there's so much construction going on in the streets. Slater, McFadden. Uh, uh, there's one down by Brookhurst or Brookhurst Bridge, I think. By Brookhurst and Talbert, um, but yeah, no, it's crazy because they've been doing like tons of construction. It's been really well organized, where they're doing a lot of it at night, so we're not running into a ton of problems. Besides, when I try to go over the McFadden Bridge and it just doesn't exist anymore for like another. Reason. Yeah. Well, and it, it's really weird because like like public projects, like uh, the place I used to work at over at the roofer's office, they redid all the sidewalks of the Orange Circle. Like COVID hit and it was just like, okay, cool. We're going to redo all these sidewalks really quick. And, you know, in two weeks, all the sidewalks in the Orange Circle got replaced. And it's like, wow, like you had to have planned that at some point, but like it just happened to happen, you know, during COVID. Great. My favorite ideology by far. Well, I kind of, because if you're talking about like the, the fusion of like anarchists and Black Lives Matter and stuff that are creating the I will say one thing. I remember when uh, it popped up on Instagram and I was, I was really interested because I, I kept seeing these reports of people chucking bricks. And it's like, who the hell does that? Like who, you know, that that's usually from people like picking bricks up out of the street or like a broken down building and starting, you know, stuff in a riot. But like, no one just has pallets of bricks sitting everywhere. Like that's, that's crazy. And like, yeah, like I saw an article on Buzzfeed that tried to kind of explain away all like the popular Instagram piles of bricks that got hit. And it's like, oh no, there was construction in each of these places that required yeah and i saw that one too and then the buzzfeed article was like oh well 
you know, that one actually happened a few weeks before the incident, and those cops had just found a lot of loose bricks on the sidewalk. And, you know, it it's plausible, but, like, that's that's a conspiracy theory thing where it's like, well, you know, that's plausible, but that also looks really sketchy considering the time and place and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. are you <laughs> it takes a long time to really wrap your head around it and that's been kind of like a frustrating point for a lot of people getting into it and I, it's kind of been on my radar since college so I mean I've got maybe like nine years down the hole being after being introduced to this theory It's really true. And that's the weird thing about accelerationism is like there's views that it's been going on for years behind the scenes, whether it be conservatives or liberals, which I mean, we can talk about how that's the same side of the coin later, but in a weird way, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the thing i mean that's now i really break from nick land's version because nick land goes into psycho territory and like it's really like it's really kind of rumored that he was just like dosed up on amphetamines all the time while he was writing all this stuff 
But tech, techno capitalism, I mean, he, he just wants to like let algorithms decide everything. We don't need, you know, people to decide all this stuff. We should just let machines do it. And then we should all be worth a certain amount of money that we get paid all the time. And it's like, he, he just sees like the world in like future cyber space. Like it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't love Nick Land's concept of accelerationism. Well, you're, are you familiar with like Ayn Rand and like the Fountainhead or like Atlas Shrugged? Well, that, that's where I think Nick Land gets like a lot of like his kind of inspiration for his techno capitalism is like you're going to be worth this amount of money and it's going to be determined by the algorithm and that'll decide the job you do. And like this is some of his like, you know, writing from 10 years ago. I haven't really kept up with a lot of the crazier stuff, but like. If you go to the other side of Nick Land, there's like Alex Williams and Nick Cernicek, and you have, well, yeah, kind of, but like, it's way cooler, like way more fun than like, let's, let's have algorithms like determine all this stuff. It's like, let's get everyone involved and like give everyone every luxury that we have. Cause like, we know it's mass producible. Like we can, we can do all this stuff like 10 years after we discover it. We don't get things like Bluetooth or GPS or cell phones until 30 or 40 years after the government discovered it and used it all up for their old shit and so like like why not like take all these things and all these great technologies we have and pass them down to the people and make them widely available to everyone on a consumer level and then raise everyone up at the same time and like unify as a world and conquer space yeah like why not Well, and why keep why keep fighting? Like why keep fighting each other? Why keep fighting each other over pieces of land and all this stuff when we could unify as a as a planet and we could go to space together? And then we'd probably fight up there for a whole bunch of other reasons. But like, what the hell? Like we've been sitting on like this final frontier for for since the '60s, since we you know we landed on the moon. Like, and we were in space before that even. There's no reason we should. There's no reason we should have stopped that so neoliberals could take over the government all over the world just to make money off of killing people or selling land. Sure. Right. Well, there's that too, but like, I think there's also a whole component of people, like so many people lost their jobs. I mean, like people that were working at nicer establishments. I mean, I can't imagine rec room stayed open through that entire fucking thing. Like, That's lame.
<laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get you. Oh, I, I mean, like, it's kind of the same thing for roofing right now where I'm like, I, I stopped going to the gym with all this stuff. I stopped working out, you know, kind of when the baby was born, like, and then all this COVID stuff happens. So all the gym shut down anyway, so I couldn't go and run or lift or do any of the stuff I like to do. And so, like, I am just, like, I'm, I've been two weeks into roofing right now, and I'm struggling like crazy. Like, literally, like, I, I was cramping up when I got home. I had to, like, eat food and, like, drink a whole bunch of water so my muscles wouldn't contract too much, like... And it's nice, like, I, my, my paycheck's a little bit chunkier by about a couple hundred bucks, but, like, man, I'm putting in the work, and I'm 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 dying out here. Like, by the end of this weekend, I have to go, like, help my uncle paint his house, and it's going to be another thing where I have to wake up at 5 in the morning and drive out, you know, to some other place an hour away, which I don't mind doing, but, my God, I'm going to be tired by Sunday. Holy shit. Oh, and roofing just puts you closer to the sun. It's insane. All kinds, black, white, there's there's blue ones and silver and, and gray stuff that you paint white. I mean, roofing is, is insane, but yeah, I know my face is not uh, totally charred to a crisp, but my nose is burned for sure. Awesome. I mean, everyone expects like this whole like, oh, it's like, it's so stressful and it's so terrible. And I, I will admit for sure that I, I've been working a lot and Becca's had her time with the baby and yeah, it's it's, well, you got to imagine with Becca, she took her pregnancy leave and then about a month later, we all had quarantine right when the baby was born. And uh, yeah, and so she, we got cut off from all of our friends and family and everyone was really cautious. And, you know, Becca is a really social person who's a bartender and who's a movie theater manager and who does, you know, well, no, and, and you know, she's just around talking to people all day long and she hasn't been able to do that and she's been you know, not stuck inside of the, with Odin, but she's been, you know, here and she's had to, you know, take care of him because I've been at work and and I need to get to sleep sometimes, you know, when he wants to stay up all night and like, it, it's just, it's just been a crazy sacrifice on her part because she really has done 90% of the legwork. I get to come home and hold my cute baby, and like send pictures to my mom who's really happy about it. <laughs> So, so starting with the day that he was born, um, March 28th at like one o'clock in the afternoon, um, they, we had gone to the hospital two nights previous because that's when Becca was supposed to be induced while the baby was gigantic and didn't want to come out the traditional way. And so we had to go into a C-section, but that wasn't until about 42 hours into our entire stay at the hospital. So the kicker on this is when I got to the hospital, they were like, Hey, um, there's no ins and outs. So what you go in with, you're going to go out with. And it, yeah, well, what we thought it was just going to be like an overnight and maybe like one more overnight. So I brought like that much clothes and total time it ended up being like four days. And so after like the third day where I was locked in this room with our brand new baby and Becca who had been through hell and back and who was just trying to recover. And I like, I just, yes. Oh my God. For, for a very long time. And they, they induced her. So they, they, uh, encouraged labor and then 
that didn't really work because he was just too big, which makes sense. We both have large families. Like we're very, we're very, I'm a big ass person and Becca's a, she's not a gigantic person, but she is also big for a girl and her brothers are very big. Like she has tall jeans as well. So, so um, about 18 hours into the actual like pushing part, we had to go get a C-section. And so because of the medication and the lack of sleep and all the pain and all this stuff, when he was actually born, Becca was like more or less passing out. And uh, it, it was, it, it was an ordeal because I was on a really high stress level, like wanting to make sure she was okay. Also on a high, really, really high stress level because the baby comes out and he's crying, obviously. like. that I've been locked in for like two and a half days at this point and I'm sweating and I smell this you live with me I have I have bad BO and I'm stressed and like it, it, it like it would just culminated in one day me asking the nurse more like begging the nurses hey like can I go home like please can you guys make up an excuse for me and call me out and cover for me and just let me like and they were like yeah you know what we'll we'll do everything in our power to let you go home and like take a shower and grab you know all the other stuff you need to grab and like do whatever and it was awesome I, I came home showered really quick grabbed a whole bunch of stuff that we needed for the baby and to go home and I jammed back and felt nice and refreshed and great for you know being able to take the baby home and actually you know start getting some rest but then for the for the next two weeks I was off and we were you know, me and Becca were doing the whole thing together, trying to make sure he got sleep and fed and changed and all that stuff. And uh, it was nuts. I stayed up near 24 hours uh, several times, like just over a few two. Like, because like he didn't, you know, when a baby comes out, he, he didn't know what night and day was. He had no idea. And like me and Becca are night owls anyway. So like, you know, he, he wouldn't go to bed till super late anyways. Like he didn't really have any understanding of you know, when it was the right time to sleep and when it was the right time to scream. And <laughs> when when I was not working, it pretty much was. It was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm getting paid. I got three weeks. I got the entire week before he was born and the next two weeks I got off. And then for the next couple of weeks, I was able to come into work late um, and just kind of like mediated to like going towards fuller work days over the next like five weeks. So I got like the next like eight weeks of like mediated work. So that was really cool. And I got paid full the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Leave me alone.
it that was every time we went in and out of the hospital at Kaiser it kind of progressed to like more and more um yeah because it started out like they get to the door and they say hey like are you feeling warm like do you have a dry cough or anything and it's like no I don't and like no I don't feel warm and they're like okay cool you can come in they give you like a little screen sticker and then like by the third day they were like taking your temperature at the door and like giving you more questions and, like looking at your eyes and like I'm not sure what they're at the point now but they, I haven't been able to go into the baby's doctor's appointments for like any of them since he's been born basically it's all, she, only Becca's allowed in with the baby and like I, I usually watch like on FaceTime or something but uh, yeah so, so I've not been able to go to any of his doctor's appointments and that's been, it kind of it kind of sucks. I mean, it's kind of something I was looking forward to. And I just say I just kind of have to sit outside. Yeah, basically. So uh, hopefully by the next time it'll be back at the normal doctor's office in Huntington Beach, and I'll be able to go in, or at least you know after the next couple of times. Um, I'd probably be more inclined to at least get out to some of the protests, like, if that were the case. But me and Becca have opposite schedules, and it would probably never really work out anyways, and I wouldn't want to just leave her here and run to the protests or anything like that. So, you know, I, I, I doubt I doubt I'd really make it out. My, my positions probably wouldn't be any different, though. I mean, I don't hate police officers, but I think defunding the police in order to fund other social commu like community programs is not a terrible idea and so i'm not i'm this is the alternative i'm not really saying abolish the police there's there's two sides to it and it's like people who've suffered police brutality and who's you know had the hands of bad cops you know that's that sucks and there there's a whole bunch of people out there who've suffered because of that i mean like the thing with cops like there's this thing called qualified immunity that cops can invoke during a trial where they can't be charged for accidentally killing a civilian but if a civilian accidentally kills a cop, it's at least a trial and probably a couple of years in prison, if not life, because it's a really, really, really strict curve. Well, and that's kind of the thing where it's like, I don't understand why cops kind of get this golden era to like do whatever the fuck they want and like get away with it because, you know, because of safety or because of this or because of police unions saying they won't, you know, protect people anymore. I don't, some cop unions and not all cop unions just like not all cops but like some cop unions are really aggressive and they say stuff like that like hey you don't want us to give it any on tickets you don't want us to stop anyone on the streets and like they'll go out and like not you know police actively yeah and like that sucks like we shouldn't have vanguard police we should have community civil servants who are trying to yeah i mean like i i hate every time like someone goes on facebook and they're like you know what 
as as the sheriff of some bumfuck county in the middle of Texas that no one lives in, I am not going to abide by the governor's rules that say we cannot hold our AR-15 rifles at church. I am going to hold my AR-15 rifle at church, and I'll probably shoot it in the air. And it's like, why? Like to be an asshole? Like why not just don't do that? Our, our individual exceptional nationalism will be our downfall. And that, that, that will be our burning Rome if we cannot correct that problem because people have this pride in, in not wearing a mask and in, in being able to, you know, oh my God, it's, it's, it's exactly what we're going through right now. Well, and it's just, like, so weird because, like, we, you know, people kind of, like, leaned into Donald Trump so hard for whatever reason, you know, social, social, uh, whatever, you know. like that one's a big one but like it, and it's not the case in orange county but a little bit in la county and like some other places it's way worse back in the east coast in the, in the middle of the country but um sure but like on top of that like there's there's been such a focus on police but like you know the amount of the amount of people that are in mental crisis that that get shot by police or that are you know suicidal that get shot by police or that you know that autistic people that accidentally get shot by police because you know they don't know what they're doing and they accidentally get caught up in some situation where a cop finds them threatening like they there's so many <coughs> excuse me there's so many answers that aren't you know, let me run in and, and point a gun at someone and, and shoot them. I mean, because there, there's so many times that that's just done and it's been escalated at such a point. Or, you know, even things as small as, like, po- police just shooting people's dogs all the time. Like, why the fuck do we hear about that on the news, like, every week? Like, oh, yeah, cops came in and shot a guy's dog after he called a domestic violence assault on his wife. It's like, what? Like... Mm-hmm. 
See, yeah. Well, you know another crazy thing, and like I don't, I don't really understand how this happened, but China has like 331, or no, the United States has 331 million people, and China has like a, a hearty three billion. Like, it's kind of crazy because like, well, China, China's spy program all over the world is massive and all infiltrating and their cybersecurity stuff is alleged to be all over the entire world all the time. I mean, if you really want to get into freaky things, you can just get into simulation theory, like that Elon Musk was really pumping a few years ago that we already live in a simulation and just none of us know about it because it's such a realistic simulation. Going 60, dude. I mean, like, oh my God. It's, the thing is, like, you, you can kind of go on in those theories forever because, like, theoreticals are theoreticals and you can kind of, you know, spitball infinitely.
Well, and that's kind of the thing too, is like, you know, the rapid pace at which we've been degrade degrading our degrading our atmosphere or like doing this or that, like you think that we'd be kind of racing towards like, well, let's get off the planet because it looks like we're destroying it, but like you know, we <sighs> Yeah, and well, and like that stuff. But the thing is, like Elon Musk kind of like has like a more solid plan, or like he's crazy enough to be like, let's keep firing the rockets till we put people on them. And it's like that's cool. And like, you know, but you know, John, the guy whose room that you lived in after John lived in it, um, he he works doing rocket stuff for Virgin Orbit, I believe, which is different than Virgin Space. There's that much stuff going on at Virgin right now. But um, you know, space is the next frontier, and that's why people like Jeff Bezos and God, I haven't watched that because I swear to God, it's, it's propaganda coming straight out of the administration. <laughs> I... Well, it's the next thing that's going to make money, and that's where they're dumping so much money into it. I mean, like Blue Origin and and no, but you don't you don't realize who's losing their jobs right now. You didn't see like maybe maybe some middle management lost their jobs at some places, but like for the most part, like a bunch of services which employ more lower paid people got shut down and like you know restaurants where you know servers who could potentially make lots of money got shut down because all of a sudden they couldn't serve people anymore like all that like you know they got they lost their jobs they lost their money they lost their livelihood but like no one at the top did like no one you didn't see a bunch of executives losing their posts because of oh covid sales are down like yeah exactly they're they're fine so like people who have money been spending money Not even that, like, why, I mean, like, I love kind of getting all my, my cheap shit off Amazon, I'm not gonna lie, and it's, you know. No, but, no, but he's, he's a predatory person who, like, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to pay taxes on, like, the billions of dollars of goods he sells all over the world each year, and at least in the United States, he, he pays no taxes on, on any of his Amazon shit, and so, like, that's so much money we could use. That, that, that's a really sad but like awful point and like skate shops have been dying and I'm sure like a whole bunch of them just kind of got fucked over by that whole thing like right Oh God. Okay, so there's there's one thing I'll say about looting though, and like it, it's kind of it's not really a fringe theory, but it's more of a like a left leaning theory or uh, urban theory or whatever you want to classify it as. But that that looting is a result of economic inequality, and so that people who 
have lost their jobs or who've not been able to find jobs or who've been out of service jobs or out of gig jobs or out of, you know, out of their regular employment who end up at these riots, you know, saying and they get all pissed off and they want all this stuff to happen, but they're poor and they can't do anything and they have no voice. So what their voice is, is going out and looting and like, it's, it's I mean, like, but it, it's so weird because like everyone went out looting and it's like Target put out this thing that like, you know what, we could rebuild our stores and we support the Black Lives Matter movement and we really, you know, are going to make sure that we are, are tight with the community for this. Yeah, come come do your shit. You know, you can steal this stuff. And it's like, they're probably going to keep the cameras on in that store. They're probably going to prosecute everyone in the world once this buzz has died down. Everyone in the world that was in those profits is probably going to, in, inside all the, you know, looting and all the uh, rioting and stuff, Stimulus checks are ridiculous. I Well, that's another, I mean, that's another thing too. I actually just got a book called The Deficit Myth. That's, and I haven't read it yet, but I, the basic premise of the thing is that what 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 deficit what what deficit are we constantly talking about? Like the stock market has been slowly rising as the economy has been failing, so we're we're slowly seeing that the stock market and most of its popular trackers, like the Nasdaq or the S and P, aren't real indications of the economy doing well or failing. They're indications of shareholders of people who own all these things, like in companies, all these you know, these stocks and companies, and those people are getting rich and those people have a whole bunch of money. But that's because those companies are consolidating and chopping off limbs like crazy and leaving people out of jobs and pushing people out of the economy well and, that, and that's, that's kind of the problem though is the fact that it, it does move so fast that that the well people get left behind but it's like you know at, at what point do we stop leaving people behind like why do we have a society that, that really just is bred out of competition like you have to compete for every I mean like like what's like what's the point at that point like what what like you just if so many people burn out of this system and just become these depressed messes who get stuck in these dead-end jobs or with dead-end families or you know with stuff they don't like that they live with every single day and we don't encourage them to come back into society we just like shove pills at people all the time and i, I think that's fucking ridiculous i think we need to come out and actually give a shit about people and have a more engaged society in the first place you know maybe not one that like takes all our taxes and makes all our decisions for us but like at least one that like we have that's not based on competing with everyone for more money or more spots or more house or more you know this or more that like why do we have people that just hoard billions and trillions of dollars well exactly and so like why why do we have like well and why do we have this type of inequality? Like, what's the point? Like, so some people can profit off of the other people so they can get the poor people to work for. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I, I get like where the idea that competition is good and like, we need to do all that to like make people worthwhile comes from. But like, I think it also just like leaves so many people by the wayside. Well, and like, what if we weren't all competing with each other? What if we everyone was innovating with each other? What if everyone was having their ideas and instead of like guarding them and getting patents and doing all this other crazy shit, they were like 
without sharing them and trying to make everything better at the same time. Like, I don't understand why we have all of that. Exactly. Right. Like this thing is kind of like I think that's the problem with so much transparency in the news and in people being able to share things so quickly that news gets shared, you know, you know, via a game of telephone essentially, where <coughs> you know, oh, we discovered a thing that might figure out a way to get the vaccine, or like we have evidence that wearing masks might do this, or we have you know evidence of asymptomatic, you know, XX next. And, like, people say, like, oh, like, there's one little instance of someone mentioning this study, and it gets blasted across the internet, and then the people are doing news stories on it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what, you can cure coronavirus by wearing a mask, and it's like, what, like, where did you even get that? I mean, you're not wrong, but like, I, I think, because uh, well, no, but the, I, I think like this other big problem too is like, and what we're dealing with today is like these very enthused nationalists, because I, I wouldn't say white supremacists, because it's really not just white supremacists anymore, but like people that are just really into like the country and like being a good old boy and like, you know, laying down for the rights and stuff. <laughs> well, I don't think it's that, though. I think it's a bunch of people just aggressively posturing with guns they bought, you know, that want to look cool and carry them around to protest. I don't think a lot of these people have a lot of aims. They're just really mad and, like, really, like enthused and ready to like you know ready to get out their gun that they bought because it's the second amendment and they're allowed to do that in america and it's like what like no 
Oh, exactly. And like, and, and these riots have been a real big sticking point. Right? I keep seeing videos of random civilians pulling out their AR-15s on the street, and it's like, nope, California is not an open carry state, and you cannot fucking do that, bro. Like, do do not. Not, not even that. And that Ahmad Arbery case happened right before this George Floyd stuff happened where that guy got chased by those two dudes in Georgia or Alabama or something like that. And the two dudes shot him and some other third guy was filming it. Um, and that, you know, I don't think that's going to get him to turn on civilians so much. It is going to like get him to turn on certain classes of people like who think they're allowed to chase down anybody and just kind of shoot them. Like, if you think you're having a problem, and like, this is one thing where I'll defer to, like, we need cops for things. Like, if you think you're going to have a problem and you want an armed response, fuck your Second Amendment rights. Call the guys that are, you know, that should be licensed to do this stuff. Well, and there's the other side of that, too, which is, like, fucking arm the populace. Like, fuck it. Go Second Amendment full blow. And, and that, which is, uh, like, strangely, another, like, socialist offshoot, kind of, that I found. Uh, fuck it. Arm and train everybody, and we'll all be safe, because we'll all have fucking guns, motherfucker. like colonial America honestly well exactly I mean, there's the other side of passionate where it's like, what's going to happen next week or what's going to happen when media coverage stops or what's going to happen, you know, when people become more disinterested, which sucks because, you know, we know as a modern people, like our attention span is not all that long all the time.
Yeah. Well, and and it's kind of understandable because if you really look at it, like, you know, watch like, say cable network news, which has been the norm until the last 10 years when we all went on the internet and stopped. Well, yeah, like, well, not even that. Like, I mean, in if you watch Vice uh, with the, uh, the biopic on uh, Dick Cheney, you, yeah, well, they have that part in it where they, they talk about uh, revoking the Fair News Act, which stated that all news had to give both sides of an issue they couldn't just give one side of an issue and like you know be really you know push their point when they revoked that act you had things like fox news and msnbc that became very pointedly democrat or republican yeah and they all just kind of fed into a machine and i think that that kind of politicization of the news and the media really changed the climate from the 70s 80s moving forward into today like everyone has such a identity politics and it's just it's it's fucking infuriating more or less and i think i think a lot of people are there already honestly it's it's that that's the sad part For some people, I, I see. Like, I would say that for like some of the offshoot, like really, really, really uh, foreign sexualities and stuff like that, and, and people's odd identities that seem to have popped out in this whole kind of new age. But uh, I, I think the Black Lives Matter movement is really valid in the fact that because I know that video with Candace Owens came out and it got really popular and really shared around the internet a lot, where she talks about like, well, you know we should really be honoring smart black people who've done amazing and innovative things and not honoring these thugs who get stopped by the police and get killed. And it's like, how can you make that uh, even kind of statement? And she can't because she's Candace Owens and she's a piece of shit, but she can really do that because she can stand back and say, oh, I'm not one of those black people those black people don't deserve this and white people can point her and go like look a black person said it so we can agree with it but black lives matter is a response to trayvon martin getting killed and i I can't list every single name right now but i know they're all out there you know all resulting with george floyd promoting the last one because it's a guy who got killed over a fucking counterfeit 20 dollar bill i've probably accidentally used one or two of those in my life like I, I, well, it's like you say that, but like, you know, no matter what, like when Dylan Roof got apprehended, when Dylan Roof got apprehended and they, they fucking took him through a fucking Burger King to get him food, even though he had just massacred a bunch of people in the church. And then, and then they go and they find this black guy who might've done Coke in the last seven days and she gets killed and labeled as a thug because he had a a history of, you know, some sort of robbery or, or breaking and entering or something like 
Yeah, and like the fact that people have been trying to bring all that kind of stuff and be like, you know what, that's a legitimate reason for that guy to die. And like that's that's not that's bullshit. Like that that sucks that people like Candace Owens are spreading just vile, hateful shit saying like we shouldn't be honoring these people that died. Like maybe cops should stop accidentally huge air quotes there, killing black people by leaning on their throats for ten minutes at a time. Yeah, and it's like this weird, like, you know, like, hold the blue line kind of logic where they're like, you know what, I'm the leader who's keeping order, and I'm going to put this person in submission no matter what, and like, you know what, like, fuck that, like, if that happened in, in anywhere, like, you know, it, it, deser- it deserves this reaction all over every single time, because that, that has to stop happening, and that, that officer would not have gotten arrested had we not had these riots, and the Yeah, like so yeah because like all lives matter obviously all lives matter sure all of our lives matter but like you know when if we were neighbors and your house was burning down I wouldn't be like well it's next to my house so I'm just going to protect my house and you can go fuck yourself. I would probably try to help you put out that fire and save your stuff. And so like, fuck, fuck Pablo. I don't care about Pablo. Pablo can go out to fucking Argentina. I, I, that was, he was an awful landlord and we can get into that for in a completely different podcast, landlordism, how that was, but yeah, or just Pablo's story. But, um, I, uh, I, I just don't really understand like the, the whole thing where it's like, you know, they don't deserve to be you know inspiring these protests and it's like every guy that gets killed every mentally ill person every you know black person every you know poor consequence that ends up getting accidentally killed by the police or purposely killed or you know whatever the fuck happened like that deserves this kind of response every time like i I hope riots happen every single time because if this happens again like those people and and exactly Yeah, and, and in a weird way, but like at the same time, 
none of these people had time to prepare for losing their jobs due to COVID or the pandemic or the shutdown, whatever you want to refer to it as. And right. Yeah. 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 I will tell you this because I have to step out and make dinner with my wife and baby soon. But <laughs> um, I, I will say that it, it is exotic, or not exotic. I mean, it, it's it's exceptional American individualism that will be the downfall. And every single Democrat or Republican that's pushing that narrative that we are exceptional individuals and we need to act like exceptional individuals is what is going to fuck us over. We need to come together now more than ever and start understanding each other than instead of just like initiating all these fights because that is what's going to bring us our, our ultimate downfalls if we all keep fighting. Contact local food banks. I was really impressed with the food bank response to the COVID thing and people losing their jobs. Um, they really made an effort, just the OC Food Bank in general and all the affiliates. The United Way kind of sucks with all that stuff, but the Orange County Labor Federation really stepped up and uh, said, hey, a whole bunch of our hotel workers and a whole bunch of our janitors and service workers lost their jobs. Let's just start providing food. And they just started pumping out food and helping with unemployment applications and helping people get other essential worker jobs. Um, and so hitting up your local labor federation is always good. Um, places like Orange County Employees Association, um, the Orange County Labor Federation in Orange, and there's a few other scattered ones, but there's there's always something local and they're usually able to work with enough people that they could point you towards something that you wanted to do if it wasn't working with laborers essentially because they're really indebted in the community. Um, they're good at organizing and so they organize with a lot of different people and whether you want to help with a church or a food bank or a labor organization, they have all those resources and I know because I've done it myself. Of course, Ralph. It's it's a pleasure, man. I love talking to you, buddy.